So this morning, I know uh, <clears throat> Stephen has already invited some audience participation, maybe unwilling uh, as it <laughs> might have been, but um, at least for our teenagers. But what I want to do this morning is start out, just you don't have to stand up. You don't have to talk to strangers if you don't want to. Uh, you're welcome to if you want to. But I just want you to turn to the person either next to you or in front or behind you and just tell that person a couple of things that you're afraid of, things that actually that you're scared of. And it's okay. This is a safe place. Nobody, nobody's going to judge you here. All right. But just when I say go, just tell somebody, man, I'm scared of, and then you fill in the blank. On your mark, say go. All right, I knew that we would come up with more than one thing. And I also knew, how many of you just, when, when you share with somebody, when, when they share whatever it was that they had to share with you, how many of you are like, ooh, me too? Anybody have that, anybody? Okay, a few of you did, thank you, all right. So somebody call out, what are you scared of? Snakes, Snakes. I'm with you. Mice? Ice? Ice. Heights. Is that long eye sound? I got it eventually. All right, heights. What else? Huh? Clowns? How many of y'all are scared of clowns? How many of y'all refuse to go see the movie It because It is a clown? Yeah, okay. Anybody else were you scared of? Balloons? Really? No judgment? I was clarifying. I was clarifying. Making sure I heard that correctly. I'm, I mean... We all have fears. And I know there's some of us that want to be uh, brave enough and strong enough to say, I'm not afraid of anything. And maybe around certain people, we have to put on a mask and pretend that we're not afraid. I'll be honest with you. Most people that know me know this. I think I've shared this with this uh, church family. I'm scared of snakes. And people, you know, they try to say, you know, this snake is a bad snake. This snake is a good snake. No, no, no. They're all bad. They're all bad. The only good snake is a dead one as far as I'm concerned. Oh, no, no, you need these. No, you don't. They should not be here, okay? Um, but Green Valley Bible Camp, the last couple of summers when we were out there at church camp, we've had more snakes than usual uh, over the last couple of years. Matter of fact, we averaged at least a snake a day, a snake kill a day, I should say, uh, and during our session uh, last year. And a couple of times, you know, Campers come running to me because, you know, I'm the director, I'm in charge. So a camper come running to me and say, hey, there's a snake. And I'm thinking, well, that's a shame. You know, <laughs> you should avoid it. Were we going to kill it? Somebody is. It ain't going to be me. But no, I put it on the face. All right. And I walk slowly, hoping that somebody who really wants to kill a snake walks in front of me and is like, I'll go get it. Well, all right, go ahead. I was going to, but all right, you win. You got there first. I'm getting braver. I can be up there with the guys as they're killing it. And if it came down to it, don't worry, with your children, sending your children to camp, I would go to the effort of trying to kill the snake. You know, it wouldn't be pretty. I would be stabbing that thing with anything that I had. If it was a good one, too bad, all right? It's going to die. That's one of my fears. I got other fears. I got things I'm afraid of, and I'm sure you do too. Uh, Paul Curry was up here, you know, leading our, our communion thoughts. His uh, wife, Mandy, is petrified of spiders. 
And she has very good reason. And if you ask her, why are you afraid of spiders? She will say, because they'll eat your face off. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if it's a gargantuan spider or a little spider, it's going to eat your face off. So you need to stay away from it. It makes sense, right? At least in her mind, it does. We all got things that we're um, afraid of. And I want us to be thinking about that this morning as we continue with our series of being unmasked. And I appreciate the thoughts that Bill shared this morning. Talking about the, the faces we put on, the masks that we put on, the, the ways that we hide the, our real selves from our families, from our coworkers, from our friends, from our church family. The way that we try to pretend that we're somebody else or, or try to pretend that things uh, aren't, aren't flaws or, or, or every, we got our act together and everything's going the, the way that it should be, even when it's not. And we started talking about this a couple weeks ago, recognizing the times in our lives that we try to convince ourselves that everything's okay, or at least try to convince other people. I've got my act together. Everything's good. No need to worry about me. And we put on a, a mask and we're talking about how to get better at and more consistent at taking those masks off and being real, being genuine and letting people see the real us and being okay with that ourselves. And this morning, we're going to take an honest look at, at one of the things that, that, that I think uh, many of us struggle with, myself included, and that is masking our fear. We want to learn how to unmask our fear this morning. And for so many reasons, I think we try to pretend that we're not afraid of certain things. I, th I think we try to put on a mask and pretend that, that, that we are confident and, and brave and, and not worried and not stressed, not anxious about anything. And we at least try to convince ourselves that that is the case, much less the people around us. And it ends up creating a lot of problems. That's what we wanna kind of address this morning, hopefully get better at taking those masks off and being honest uh, about our fear. But let's think about it for a second. I mean, I asked you guys, what, what kind of things are you afraid of? And you share with each other. And some of you called out uh, some of those things to me. But if we ask a question this morning, what is it that I'm, that I'm really afraid of? I've broken this down into a few categories. So we don't have a list of a hundred different things on the screen. Okay. So some of the things that some of us are afraid of, I, I would label as having something to do with some kind of exposure. And what I mean by that is people finding out about the real me. That I'm, I, all my flaws, all my mistakes, all my failures, all the things that I try to mask and keep hidden, that people will actually see those things. And that's a real fear for some of us. We fear that people will find out what our flaws are or what our true feelings are. We fear that people will see what we actually look like. We fear that our coworkers or maybe our bosses will find out that we don't have all the skills that we pretend that we have. We, we fear that the person that we're dating or the, the, the people that we're friends with will find out the things that, that they may not like about us. And maybe it's stuff about the past, maybe it's past mistakes, but we still fear those things being exposed. We fear people finding out about the, the sins that we try to keep hidden, the addictions that we have, the habits that we have, the words that we've said, and we wish we hadn't, but they're out there anyway. And we hope that people don't see those things. And so we mask it. We mask that fear because we're afraid of being exposed for who we truly are. Some of us just fear pain. And that can come in a lot of different ways. We, have, we, we fear physical pain. I mean, there are people, I'm sure people in this room, they're petrified to go to the doctor because of what he might stick, poke, jab us with. 
because of what news we might find out. We're scared of, of, of that pain. Some of us are just fear for our safety. We're worried about what's gonna happen uh, you know, when we're driving down the road. We're worried about people breaking into our house. We're worried about experiencing painful experiences. The reason that we have fears of different animals and critters is because we're scared that they might eat our face off. We're scared that they might bite, they might do something to us and, and that's bad. We don't wanna experience that pain. We have all sorts of phobias. I mean, look at a list, look it up on the Google. There's a whole list of different phobias that people have. And as I was, I was looking at some of those things and thinking about this thing of unmasked, did you know that there's a maskophobia? There's a fear of people who wear masks. I mean, we can be afraid of all sorts of things, all sorts of things that we are worried are gonna hurt us in some way. And it's not just physical pain. We worry about being hurt emotionally. We worry about people hurting our feelings. We worry about people rejecting us. We worry about friends deciding they don't want to be friends with us anymore. We worry, I mean, some of us worry about separation and divorce because of that feeling of rejection. My spouse doesn't want me anymore. We fear, we fear failure. We fear doing things that, that stretch us out of our comfort zones because that can be painful sometimes. When, when our boss at work says, here's something I want you to do, and it's something we never tried before. And, or, you know, if, if this church family says, hey, here's something that we're going to pray about and challenge ourselves to do, well, that's, that's a little uncomfortable for me. That might be painful for me to try. And so since it stretches me too much, I'm not going to do it. We, we, we're scared of pain. Some of us are scared of what I'm going to call the what ifs. The things that that, that haven't happened yet, the things that might never happen, but what if it does? I remember many years ago, my dad had to have heart surgery. He had a, a bad valve in his heart. Incredibly, uh, you know, healthy person just had a bad valve in his heart and they were going to replace it. And they're going through, walking through, here's how the whole surgery takes place. And my dad is not that... Um, He's a little nervous about medical kind of things just in general. And when they're explaining to him that they were going to stop his heart in order to operate on it and then start his heart again, that just bothered him. Because he's seen the battery die on a car and try to jump it and it didn't jump. And he thought, what if my heart does the same thing? And he was dead serious. And he was asking the doctor, he said, okay, so you're going to stop my heart. You're going to start again. And the doctor said, yes. And he said, well, what if it doesn't start? And the doctor said, it will. He's like, but what if it doesn't? He's like, it will. He's like, but what if it doesn't? Like he could not get past the what if. What if it doesn't? What do we do then? How many of us struggle with what ifs? Things that haven't even happened yet. We, I, what if I fail? What if this is just a colossal failure? What if I mess up? What if I make mistakes? Yeah, but you haven't yet. But what if I do? Some of us, what if success? What if this works? What are they going to expect of me then? I'm going to have to repeat this. What if it works by accident? Now I got to figure out how I did it right. What if there's a conflict? What if we can't get along? What if, what if things are just, are just changing too fast and I got to move to this place? I got to switch jobs. My, my kids are growing up so fast and I'm not for sure. What if I do it wrong? What if I do this parenting thing wrong? What if my marriage falls apart? What if, what if we get bad news? We haven't gotten bad. Now, I know, but what if we do? Stuff that might happen to the people that we care about. Stuff that might happen to us, and it hasn't happened, but we think that it might. We what if ourselves to death. We're scared of the stuff that hasn't even happened yet. 
Have I touched on one of your fears yet? You don't have to answer out loud. I'm convinced all of us are scared of something. All of us have fears that we deal with. And maybe on a daily basis and maybe just every once in a while. But we got stuff that we, that we fear. And, and it, I, want to, I want to give a little bit of, of, of help or hope this morning. It's okay to have fear. I mean, it's a natural reaction that God has given us to react to an unpleasant circumstance or the potential for that unpleasant circumstance. It's natural for us to react in that way. So I don't want anybody leaving here this morning going, man, the preacher said we can't be scared of anything and we're sinning if we do. That's not what I'm saying. It is natural for us to, be, to have things that we're afraid of. What we're addressing this morning is holding on to that fear, giving into it, letting it take control. Letting it dictate our attitudes, letting it di- dictate our actions, letting it have control of our hearts. That's what we want to address. And, and even more than that, how we mask that, that even though that fear is controlling us, even though it's constantly on our thoughts, even though it's, it's, it's controlling our attitudes and our actions, we still want to pretend like everything's fine. I, mean, I don't have anything that I'm afraid of. That's what we want to get to this morning. Not only that we have fear, but that we try to mask it. And, and I mean, let's, let's figure that out. How do, we, how do we do that? What does that look like to mask our fear? What do we mask it with? Let me give you just a few things, you know, at least a, a, a couple of things off that I thought of. A couple of ways that we mask our fear. One is through excuses. I'll offer all sorts of excuses to, to mask my fear. There may be an action that I need to take. There may be, there may be a conversation I need to have with, with someone else. There may be something new that I need to try, but I'll come up with all sorts of excuses, all sorts of reasons why I can't do that particular thing. And when in reality, I'm just scared to do it. I'm afraid of, of what might happen or, or I just don't know for sure how to do that. I'm afraid of it, I'm fearful of it, I'm anxious about it. And so I'll come up with all sorts of excuses why I just can't do that particular thing. Maybe I'm fearing failure. Maybe I'm fearing uh, embarrassment. Maybe it's getting, getting me out of my comfort zone. But I'll make excuses why I can't. This is not a, a new thing. There's people throughout Scripture that did the same thing. One of the, one of the ones that I think of is a guy named Moses. Moses was uh, the leader of Israel, brought them out of Egyptian slavery, brought them to the promised land. Incredible hero in Israelite history did not want to be the hero that he became. He had made mistakes. He had killed somebody. He had been on the run for his life. He was out in the middle of nowhere watching a whole bunch of sheep. And God comes to him and says, I want you to go back to Egypt and go lead my people uh, to, to freedom, to the promised land. And Moses is like, nope. And Moses, if you go to the book of Exodus, it's the second book of your Bible, and go to chapter 3 and chapter 4, you see a whole list of different reasons that Moses gave God for not doing this job. God says, I want you to go, and I know it's uncomfortable, and I know it's awkward, and I know you feel unprepared, but I want you to go, and I want you to lead my people, and I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take care of it. And Moses gave God all sorts of excuses. And the first one was, you know what, I'm not really qualified for that. 
I haven't been through training. I, I, I'm, not the, I'm not the leader kind of person that, that, that calls for. And the second one was, I don't know who to tell them that this is that's sending me. I don't know what name to give you. If you say God's gonna set you free, they don't know who that is. And I don't really know who that is. And so you know what? You probably need to find somebody else. And the next one they, they use was, you know what? They're probably not gonna listen, God. I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna say, God wants to set you free. God wants to get you out of slavery. And they're gonna be like, you know what? Whatever, we're not even listening. And so God, I, I better not even try because they're not gonna listen in the first place. And then the, the, the last thing that he said was, you know, God, I'm, I'm, I'm just not a very good speaker. I don't make words good. I can't talk. I don't know what to say. And for every single one of his excuses, God had an answer. God had a way that he was going to empower Moses to overcome that particular thing. And finally, Moses is honest and says, you know what, God, I just don't want to. Please find somebody else. In essence, he's saying, God, I'm scared. You're asking me to do something that I'm very uncomfortable doing, and I'm afraid. But I want you to pay attention to all, to the excuses that Moses gave. That he wore as a mask. When it boiled down to, it wasn't, it wasn't that he wasn't a good speaker. It wasn't that he didn't know who God was. It wasn't all those different excuses that he offered. It was the fact that he was scared. And yet I find myself acting like Moses all the time. I'll come up with excuses. I'll, I'll say, well, you know what, this isn't going to work. Or, you know what, those people aren't going to listen. Or, you know, I'm, I'm not really skilled in that. I don't really know how to do that. I'm just not qualified. And we can come up with all sorts of excuses. You and I both do it. And what it really boils down to, this is uncomfortable. This is stretching me. I'm anxious. I'm stressed. I'm afraid. But let me mask it with my excuses. Here's all the reasons why it won't work. Here's all the reasons I, I just can't do that particular thing. Excuses work really well as masks. Some of us use criticism or insults as masks to hide our own fear. I used to tell teenagers when I was doing youth ministry and, and uh, my wife works in, in elementary, in an elementary school and she tells elementary age kids this. I mean, we've, I'm sure we've shared this with our own kids multiple times. That sometimes when one kid is, is insulting, maybe even bullying another kid, that often the reason that they're doing that is they don't, they don't feel very good about themselves. There's something about themselves that they see as flawed or, or, or broken or, or failing, and they want to cover that up. They don't want anybody to see that. They're embarrassed of it. And so they mask that. They're afraid that other kids will see that flaw in them, and they mask that by insulting some other kid. And they'll, they'll bully and they'll insult and they'll criticize so that other kids will see that child's flaws and not theirs. Does that make sense? You know what? It's not just kids that do that. We adults do that too. We, we, will, we, we will be afraid of people seeing our flaws, our shortcomings, our mistakes, the things that we don't like about ourselves. And in our minds, 
we, we hold up a picture of the ideal us and the real us, and we don't like what the real us looks like. And so we, we, we try to divert people's attention. I'm, I'm scared of what they're going to think of me if they saw the real me. I'm scared of how they might view me. I'm scared of how they might treat me. And so instead of even risking that, I'm going to, I'm going to divert their eyes. I'm going to point at somebody else. I'm going to insult this person. I'm going to criticize this person. I'm going to gossip about this person so that everybody will look over there at them and not pay any attention to me. And it's really just a mask. I don't want you to see me, so I'm going to insult them. I'm going to come down on them. I'm going to judge them. And hopefully get your attention focused on them instead of on me. I mean, there's other masks that we wear. We, we, use, our, we use our arrogance. We try to lift ourselves up and pretend that we're better than somebody else when we really aren't, but we don't want anybody else to know that. We'll use, we'll use busyness. I don't want to deal with my fear. I don't want to deal with the things that I'm afraid of. I don't want to be honest about that and genuine about that. So let me just be busy. Let me just get my mind occupied on a hundred different other things so I don't have to actually deal with whatever it is that I'm afraid of. You see what I'm saying? We mask our fear all the time. We come up with all sorts of ways to pretend like and to convince other people that we're not stressed, we're not anxious, we're not fearful, maybe even trying to convince ourselves of those things. And in reality, we're scared. We're afraid. And while it might seem like a better thing to pretend that we're not afraid about a particular situation, to pretend that we're not anxious about something, to, to, to not deal with a fear, the fear is still there. And so now, not only do I have to deal with the fear that I have, not only do I have to deal with the anxiousness and the stress that I'm dealing with, now I have to add to that because of the stress and effort that it takes to mask it. See, there's some, some more problems that masking our fear causes. When I mask my fear... Masking my fear can honestly make me overly controlling. Now, maybe that's not something that somebody has ever accused you of, or maybe it is, and maybe they haven't accused you of it to your face. But some of us, I mean, you might even, you know, overly controlling sounds nice. Some of us would label it more as a control freak. We don't like that word, though. But we want to control everything. We want to make sure that everything goes exactly the way that we want it to. We, we, we have this fear of what might happen. We have this fear of failure. We have this fear that things that need to happen aren't happening soon enough. We have this fear of being hurt. We have this fear of being embarrassed. We have a fear of, of there being some kind of conflict or, there being, or, or being rejected or, or turned against in some way. And so we try to pretend that we're not worried about those kind of things. But the way that we mask that, we, 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 we pretend that, that we're not scared, but the way that we have to deal with that is we have, we have to dictate everything. I'm so worried that it might not work out the way that, it's, that I hope that it's supposed to work out. I'm so worried that it's going to fail. I'm so worried that things are, are not going to go the way that I want it to, that I've got to have my hands on everything, and this has to go exactly the way that I want it to. And I've got to control every single detail. And I'm, I'm not just dictating actions in my life, I'm dictating yours. Because if you get it right, and by right, I mean my way, if you do things my way, then everything's going to work out fine and I don't have anything to worry about. 
And I won't be honest enough to say, man, I'm just worried about how this is going to turn out. I'm worried about how I'm going to be treated. I'm worried about how they're going to perceive what it is I'm doing, what it is I have to say. Instead of being real and genuine about that, we just control everything. And we say things like, I'm just trying to help. But I got, I got to do everything. I got to take control of everything. You go back to the, the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. There's a woman that's talked about her, her name is Sarah. Sarah was married to a man named Abraham, and Sarah and Abraham were happily married. The only problem in their marriage was they couldn't have any kids. They went years. She's, she's 80s, 90s years old and still hasn't had any kids yet. And that would be bad enough because she desperately wanted to have children, but in a culture where your status as a woman was influenced by how many children you could bear for your husband, this is embarrassing. It's humiliating to her. She was fearful of how other people perceived her, I think. She was fearful maybe of what her own husband might think of her, that she couldn't produce any children. And so she had to control it. So she had a, a servant named Hagar, and she comes to her husband Abraham, and she tells Abraham, I want you to go to have, have sex with, with my servant uh, Hagar, get her pregnant, and then that will be our kid. And Abraham, being the good husband that he was, like, all right. You said to, okay. And he did. And they produced a child. And she hated that kid because it wasn't hers. And God allowed her years later to become pregnant. She had a child. And now she doesn't like this other woman and, and her kid anymore. And so she still got, she starts to worry again. What if, what if he likes her more than he likes me? What if he likes her son more than he likes my son? And so what does she do? She says, you know what? I hate that woman. Get rid of her. And he does. That's a really abbreviated version of that whole story. And what I want you to understand is Sarah was fearful of what other people thought of her and what her husband thought of her and, and honestly, how she viewed herself. And she was so anxious about that and stressed about it that she could try to control everything. Instead of just trusting that God was gonna work things out, that God was gonna give her a child, that God was gonna take care of her. She's like, no, 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 I have to control this. I have to get, I have to get my hands in here and make sure that, this, that these things work out right. And while that sounds like an odd story to some of us, some of us in this room are going, yeah, I've, not that, but I've, I've been controlling like that before. I've had that kind of mindset. Because that's what masking our fear does. Not dealing with it, not being honest with it, not, not being honest with ourselves, with other people about it, causes us to be overly controlling. Masking my fear honestly causes more stress. It causes more problems for me. Fear itself causes stress and worry. I, I, my heart rate increases. I, I, I start to sweat. I get butterflies in my stomach. I lose sleep. I got high blood pressure. I can't relax. My mind is constantly just going and, and, and cluttered. That's what fear will do to us. Now, add to that, trying to pretend that I'm not dealing with any of those things. Trying to act like when I'm around good church folks, trying to act around my family, trying to act like, you know, around friends that I should be able to trust that everything is fine. I've just added even more stress. I've added even more worry. I'm dealing with even more circumstances because I'm not dealing with my fear. I'm trying to cover it up, trying to pretend that it's not there. I'm worried to death of what you might view in me as a weakness. You know, causing myself more hurt by not dealing with my fear. 
Jesus addresses worry and stress in Matthew chapter 6. He says in verse 34, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Notice that Jesus says, yeah, there may be stuff to worry about. There may be stuff to worry about tomorrow. So don't add to today's stress and worry by borrowing from tomorrow. But when I, when I spend so much time worrying and stressing and then so much time and effort pretending like I'm not worrying and stressing, I'm adding to my worry and stressing. I make it worse. Masking my fear also damages my authenticity. And what I mean by that is it, it, it causes me to lose trust. To lose other people's trust in me. Maybe even damages my ability to trust other people. If I, and, 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 and even damaging my ability to be the kind of influence, the kind of, the kind of presence in people's lives that God calls me to be. If I claim, if I claim to not only believe in God, but, but that I, I also claim that I trust in him to take care of me no matter what, that he's gonna provide for me, that he's gonna protect me, that I believe that he's gonna look after me, even if it's not exactly the way I had in my mind, that I trust that God is gonna take care of me. But then I, I give in to my fear and not just give in to it, I hold on to it and I allow it to start to, to dictate my, my mind, my, you know, control my mind and dictate my actions. That will be seen by other people as inconsistent. That would be seen by people who don't have faith in God, who I'm trying to show my faith in God by saying, well, you talk about faith, but you don't really have it. You talk about trusting that God's gonna take care of you no matter what, and yet you're living like you're worried to death of what might happen next. That seems inconsistent. Now I add to that, that I'm not being honest and genuine about that. That I try to pretend that that's not really how I feel. That I try to act like everything's fine and that I do trust when I really don't. And, and people can see through that. The people that know me know when I'm being fake. They know when I'm not being genuine. They know when I'm trying to convince somebody else that I'm not scared, that I'm not fearful. Let's be honest, that's hypocrisy. It's insincere. It's not authentic. Paul even addresses this when he's talking to Titus. In one of your New Testament books, the book of Titus, he's addressing some people that live where, where Titus lives. And he says in chapter 1, verse 16, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. That's what our fear will do to us. That's what masking our fear, our fear will do to us. We'll claim that we trust God. We'll claim that we're relying on God. And, and, and we'll try to put on that face. And inside, we are giving into our fear and letting it take control. It hurts our authenticity. It hurts our testimony to other people. They see it as fake. And this is what masking our fear does to us. And I want us to understand this. I want us to understand that dealing with our fear is a big deal, but, but taking off the mask and being real about our fear is a big deal. So, how do we fix that? How do we get better at taking off the mask? Well, kind of like when we were talking about last week, when we were talking about dealing with our envy, I think if we learn to deal better with the fear, then we don't have anything to mask. 
Does that make sense? So let's address dealing with the fear. How do we get better at not allowing fear to take control of our lives? I'll do this real quick. Just some steps to, to work on. First thing I got to do is I got to be honest about my fear. I got to be honest about it. I need to be willing to acknowledge the fear that I have, whether it's fear of rejection or failure or, or, or pain or whatever it is. I need to be honest with myself. I need to be honest with somebody that I trust about that. I need to be honest with God about that. I need to, I need to in essence, embrace the fact that I'm scared. I'm not giving into my fear. I'm just acknowledging, yeah, there's something fearful in my life right now. There's something I'm worried about. In the book of Luke, there's a story of, of Jesus and uh, one of his first disciples, Peter. And it's a story that I've shared with this church family before. One of Peter's first experiences uh, with Jesus and Jesus and Peter uh, uh, go out in a boat. Peter's been fishing all night, hadn't caught a thing. Jesus says, go out in the water, drop your nets again. He doesn't want to, but he does it anyway. And the catch of fish that he catches in the nets is so big that the boat starts to sink. And by the time they find their way back to the shore, it's more fish than in the nets than Peter's ever seen in his life. And his first reaction, the first thing that Peter says in Luke chapter five and verse eight, when he saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And I want you to see, I mean, there's so many different different lessons to pull from just this one encounter, this one experience. But this morning, I want you to see Peter was honest. Peter was genuine right now with Jesus about his fear. He didn't mask it. He embraced it. He was honest about it. Jesus, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of somebody that has power like you obviously have. I've never seen power like that before, and that scares me. But even more than that, Jesus, I'm scared that you're going to see the real me. Because I know the real me. And it's not pretty. It's ugly. It's flawed. It's mistake-filled. You don't need to be around somebody like me. But in essence, Peter is saying to Jesus, Jesus, I'm afraid. Folks, this is where we start. To be able to honestly come before our God, maybe in the privacy of our own home, maybe with somebody else helping us out. But we come before God and we say, God, I got to be honest with you, I'm scared. That's where we start. Let's quit pretending that we're not scared. Let's quit pretending that there's nothing that's causing us stress and fear. Let's be honest about it. Let's embrace it so that we can deal with it. Because the next thing we do, after, we, after we're honest about it, the next thing I need to do is I need to ask God to conquer it. I need to ask God to conquer my fear. Talk to him about it, but then ask him, to, ask him to conquer it, to get rid of it, to help me let it go. In James chapter 5, James says in verse 13, you got problems, you need to pray. In verse 14, he says, are you sick, you need to pray. And he's going through all these different things we need to be sharing, not only with each other, but with our God. And he says in verse 16, James chapter 5 and verse 16, the prayer of a righteous man, the prayer of a, of a person who has a connection, a relationship with God is powerful and effective. If you, I would love for you to turn your Bibles right now and underline that verse, highlight it, draw stars around it, because I want you to understand, if you never knew it before, I want you to believe the truth of this. Stuff happens when we pray. Almighty God, the creator of the universe, moves to action when I pray. That's what James says. 
So if I'm honest with him about my fear and saying, God, I am scared and I, I don't want to be scared of this particular situation anymore, would you help me? My God already moves to action before the words are done coming out of my lips. I need to ask him to conquer it. He's got the power and the desire, and I need to talk to him about that and ask him to do it. Then number three, once I've talked to him about it, once I've asked him to conquer it, and he does conquer it, I need to let go of it. How silly would it be for me to ask God to conquer my fear and then me hold on to it? How silly would it be for me to desperately cling to something that I'm at the same time asking, begging God to get rid of? And yet that's what I tend to do sometimes. I believe in God's power to take away my fear. I believe in God's power to conquer my sin, my fear, my stress, all those different, my guilt, all those things. And yet I hold on to it. If I'm going to be done with my fear, I need to actually let go of it. I need to choose to let go of it, to not worry about this particular thing anymore. And that may not happen overnight, but it's a conscious daily choice. I'm not going to fear this any longer. I'm not going to let whatever it is that I'm afraid of, whatever it is that's causing me stress, I'm not going to allow it to have power over my heart anymore. So going back to the story uh, in, in Luke chapter 5, when Peter is talking with Jesus, and Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, you need to get away from me. I'm scared of being around you. I'm a sinful person. And Jesus' response in Luke chapter 5 and verse 10, the first, thing, the first words that he says to Peter are this. Peter, don't be afraid. Of all the things that he could have said, this is the first thing that Jesus says to him. Peter, I know you're scared. Let it go. I'm going to do big things with you. You're going to become a fisher of men. We're going to, you're going to walk a path you never thought you could, and I'm going to empower you to do it. Let go of your fear. And that's the challenge for us. Not just to ask God to conquer it, but to choose to let go of it ourselves. And finally, the last thing I need to do, I need to surround myself with fear-freed people. I need to surround myself with people who know what it's like to be set free from their fear. When I was in college, I had a roommate for two years that was from uh, Minnesota. And you wouldn't know this now, but besides him, there are a lot of people when I was in college that, were from, that, that I became friends with that were from northern states. And by the time I was a sophomore in college, people, didn't, people who met me for the first time didn't believe that I was from Arkansas because I didn't sound like I was from Arkansas. I didn't have a southern accent. And, and the more that I roomed with this guy from Minnesota, the more that I talked like a guy from Minnesota. I remember talking to my sister on the phone. You know, we grew up in Arkansas, and then she was living in Tennessee, and I was telling her about us going out on the lake on somebody's boat, and I was like, yeah, we were out on a boat today, and, you know, and that's how I said it. I said, boat, you know, and it just, I didn't even think about it. That's just how I said it, and she interrupted me, and she said, that's not how you say it. Like, say what? She's like, it's, not, it's a boat. <laughs> say it right. But being around him and around some of those other people influenced just the way that I talked. The people that we're around will influence us in a lot of different ways. So let's be mindful of the people that we surround ourselves with. If I surround myself with people who are constantly worried and anxious and stressful and fearful, guess what I'm going to be? Worried and stressed and anxious and fearful. 
if I'm struggling with not only taking the mask off and being honest about my fear, but actually getting rid of my fear, I need to surround myself with other fear-freed people. This is why the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, you need to not give up, not give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. This isn't a verse just about church attendance. This is about life. You need to surround yourself with other people who are trying to live the same kind of life that you are. It doesn't mean we take ourselves out of the world and never uh, associate with non-Christians. It means I need to constantly have people in my life who are trying to live like I'm trying to live. And in that process, if I know that there's things I'm struggling with, that I'm anxious about, that I'm fearful of, then you surround myself with other people who have fought the same battle and have conquered. And I want to be clear, I, and I did this on purpose. I don't want, we're, we're not talking about spending our time with fearless people. Fear-free people. People who have been able to be honest and genuine about their fears. And can be honest and genuine with you but I also know what it's like to be set free from it. That's the kind of people I need in my life. And that's going to help me let go of my fear. I need to wrap up this morning. You guys have done an outstanding job listening. I, there's so much of this that's on my heart because I know, I know, for me, as much as I preach about and talk about trusting in God, knowing he's going to be with us no matter what, there are things that I I allow myself to be fearful of. And I'm guessing you do too. You know, we we're talking about Moses and the Israelites and that, and that story. As the Israelites are, are freed from their slavery in Egypt and they're trying to get away and get to the promised land and Pharaoh, who's had power over the Israelites for so long, changes his mind, wants them back. And they come to the Red Sea, this body of water. They have no ability to get across and they... And they have Pharaoh's army chasing them from behind. They're just, they're just caught in between those two things. And they're scared. And they're, they're screaming out. They're crying out in fear. And I want you to see what Moses says, what God says through Moses to his people in Exodus chapter 14. Look up on the screen. He says, don't be afraid. Just stand still. Watch the Lord rescue you today. Maybe that's where we start. Maybe that should have been our first action step. When the fear hits, when the anxiety hits, when the stress seems to overwhelm, be still for a minute. Talk to God about it. Be honest about it. But then just watch what he does. Watch how he fixes it. Watch how he takes care. Watch how he doesn't necessarily protect you from the storm, but walks with you through it. Watch how he doesn't necessarily go around the wilderness, but carries you through it. Watch what he does. Let that be the thing that helps conquer your fear. So you don't have to pretend anymore. We're going to stand together here and just say we're going to sing a song. It's a song, it's a, it's a challenge for ourselves, a commitment to God. God, with all the things that I have to be afraid of, I'm going to be still. And I'm going to know that you are God. And I'm just going to watch what you do. And as we've seen that song, if there's something that's holding your heart, there's something that you've been masking and pretending isn't a problem, and it really is. Whatever it is, where there's fear, where there's habits, where there's envy, like we talked about last week, whatever it is that's causing you not to be genuine and real, and you want to be done with that, we invite you to come forward. Come walking down here to the front, share that with us. And we will pray about that, and we will believe that God is already moving to, to, to heal you of that.
We want to help this morning if we can. Let us know how. Watch together we stand and sing.